0: the book of Proverbs chapter number 1. The book of Proverbs chapter number 1. And I'm going to read uh, just a quick passage here, and then we'll get into this. Proverbs chapter number 1. And uh, I'm going to be reading verses 20 through verses 33. Proverbs chapter number 1, verse 20 through 33. When you get there, say, Amen. Amen. Okay, ain't nobody there yet. When you get there, say amen. If you didn't bring your Bible, it's all right. They'll throw it up there on the screen for you. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 20, records words along these lines. Wisdom, now listen, I ain't going to preach to no quiet church. All right? I ain't going to preach to no quiet church. Wisdom cries without. She's uttering her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of concourse. This is wisdom. In the openings of the gates, in the city, she's uttering her words. And she's, this is what wisdom is saying. How long will you love simplicity? And how long will the scorners delight in their scorning? And how long will fools hate Knowledge, turn at my reproof, and I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words to you, because I have called, wisdom said, and you refused. I stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but you have said it not all of my counsel. You would have none of my reproof, therefore I will laugh at your calamity. Glory to God, it is awful quiet up in this church. I will laugh at your calamity, and I will mock, wisdom says, when your fear comes. When your fear comes as a desolation, and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they shall call upon me, but I won't answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they will eat of the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall kill them. and The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Listen to what wisdom said. But whosoever listens to me will dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Jump all the way back up to verse 20. Wisdom cries without and she utters her voice in the street. She cries in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She utters her words saying, how long, simple ones? Will you love simplicity? Scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Isn't that encouraging this morning? didn not that what you got out of bed to come here? Uh, the Whenever I read Proverbs, you know, the Proverbs always contrast uh, wisdom with folly. And it actually embodies these two ideas in feminine language, lady wisdom and lady folly. And I'm not too terribly old, but I've been in church a long time and and I've seen a lot. And this is what I do know. Wisdom usually comes from somebody else's pain. When somebody's trying to share with you their wisdom, they are sharing with you something they learned out of the overflow of their own pain and process. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? going on, preach, no quiet church. Does that make sense to you? So when somebody's trying to give you their wisdom, they are trying to give you something that costs them greatly. They're trying to give it to you on sale. Y'all tracking with me so far? I like to tell young preachers, let my pain be your wisdom. Because the, the point of wisdom is to keep you from pain. But when you do not allow wisdom to teach you to stay away from pain, then your only teacher becomes pain. And so Proverbs starts off like this. Wisdom is shouting in the street. Don't do this. And fools are closing their ears and ignoring everything that she's got to say. One of, the, one, of the, uh, one of the things that sparked this idea in me was uh, a couple of years ago, my sister-in-law is a blogger. She likes to blog. She's a fantastic, talented writer. And we uh, had a conference in Alabama together. And after the conference, we were sitting in the back, and she had just written this blog. And this was the idea of the blog. The title of the blog was this, Dear Five Years Ago Me. What she was doing was that she was writing herself a letter five years ago telling herself things that she needed to know five years ago but didn't know five years ago. It's one of those, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have made some different choices. And I know you're looking all holy on me this morning with your church clothes on, but the reality is everybody... Everybody, everybody in here got some of those. If I would have known then what I know now, I would have made some different choices. Y'all like, what you talking about? I don't know. I served God my whole life. And so we were talking about this blog, and we were kind of laughing and cutting up. And then we all started, everybody at the table started sharing uh, personally. Well, what would you say to yourself five years ago or 10 years ago or 20? Think about that. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? You would have told 20-year-old self, she's crazy. Don't waste your time with her. He don't even like his own mama, right? <laughs> what would you have told yourself? You are not going to be a physics major in college. You don't even do something that stupid. You need to get something that you can understand. What would you have told 20-year-old you? And so we were sitting around. We were, t- we were t- having this conversation, and, and we were all sharing stuff, and we were laughing. And then as we started telling stories about what I would told myself 10, 15 years ago, then the regret started to set in. And then it wasn't fun anymore. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. And uh, so we're we're sharing all these stories, and I finally interrupted the conversation. I said, this is what I would tell myself 20 years ago. I would stop right now, and I could sum up this whole conversation. This is what I would have told myself 20 years ago. Don't. Can I get a witness from somebody? Don't. See, 15 years ago, somebody convinced me that it would be a good idea for me to grow my hair out long, flat iron it, and frost the tips. But I didn't know those pictures would haunt me for the rest of my life. I needed somebody that loved me to look me in the eyes and say, don't. Some of you are going to go to the beach this year for vacation. And while you are sitting on the beach drinking up the sun, you are going to see some people walk by who are wearing bikinis, not becoming of the type of physique that they have. And you want to just look at them and say, let my pain Be your wisdom. Don't. Y'all remember the jerry curl back in the day, brother Al? Y'all remember glamour shots? Don't. Huh? Y'all know what I'm saying? Just look at your neighbor and say, don't. (laughs) I, I... We had to implement a rule at my house. We had to implement a rule at my house. I'm not kidding. After 7 p.m., I'm not allowed to spend money at all. My wife is the natural saver. I'm the natural spender. They make infomercials for people like me. I buy it all. 1 a.m. in the morning, I'm bleary-eyed, and an infomercial comes on. And they're cutting up shoes with a pair of steak knives. And I tell myself, I think I need those. Just in case I ever want to cut my shoes up. Call the number. I remember watching on TV one time. I remember watching on TV one time uh, when, when P90X first came out. What are y'all laughing at? When P90X first came out. And I'm watching all this. And I'm watching all these body transformations. And I'm like, yeah. I, before I knew it. They were taking $300 off my credit card on the phone before I knew what had happened. Then I put the video in and he's like, "Do 100 pull-ups." <laughs> I can't do 100 pull-ups. I needed somebody to tell me. Don't. And <laughs> as as I, as I wrestle with this, I I I, I Y'all y- y- y'all remember y'all remember the the 80s men perm? y'all remember that don't y'all remember (laughs) i almost lindsey saved me one time y'all ever saw that thing that you can strap on your abs and it electrocutes a six-pack into your body (laughs) and i'm watching this i'm thinking six minutes a day i can eat twinkies and still look like that in six minutes Buy, buy eight of them put them on my bicep put them on my thigh put them on my neck and my traps come on somebody you know what she said? Don't. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with this idea. We're laughing at this meeting where we're telling all this stuff. Don't. Don't. Just, just, it's just a bad idea. Don't. That outfit is horrible. Don't. It's just really bad. Don't. Men, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to turn around in 10 years and those mirror selfies in the bathroom that you've been taking and posting on Facebook, you're going to be like, mm, somebody should love me enough to say, don't girls all those duck face pictures y'all making where it looks like you got stung in the mouth by something in 10 years people gonna be like don't y'all with me this morning and so I, I, I pulled away from this conversation. I began to wrestle with the idea, don't, just, just don't. And then I thought, you know, if I could speak to the church of Jesus Christ at large, if I, had, if I had one opportunity to preach one sermon to the church, I would tell them this, don't. And this is the list of things that I would tell them don't do. Can I share it with you? This morning. Number one, don't keep hanging on. You've got to learn to let some stuff go. You got to learn to get over. Some stuff. Let me say it real plain. You got to learn to forgive some people in your past. Don't keep hanging on. I read this story one time. There were two presidents that died on the same day. It was, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson and, and, and John Adams. They died on the same day. They were bitter enemies. They fought the Revolutionary War together. And they were were brothers in arms. And then they split over how they believed the government should function. And they became bitter enemies. They became bitter enemies. And they died on the same day. Now, John Adams didn't know that Thomas Jefferson had already died. He had no idea. They didn't have social media back then. He had no idea he already died. Do you know what what, what John Adams' last dying words were? As he's sucking in his last breath with the gurgling noises? He said... Jefferson lives. Jefferson's already dead. Jefferson lives. And I'm thinking, what an indictment that your last dying breath is consumed with your enemies. But they some church folk that I know that they're gonna go out the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Casey never spoke to me. It did. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> the music in that church was too loud. They're gonna be, they're going to be gone. That's how they're going to go out. When you are dealing with people, you have to make up your mind. When people have wronged you, you have to make up your mind. Is this going to be a life lesson or is this going to be a life sentence? Because if you pronounce this is going to be a life sentence, the relationship has no hope of moving forward. And it's interesting because I talk to people, they can tell me in minute, painful detail, like it happened yesterday, something that happened to them 20 years ago. They can even remember what she was wearing when she said it. And then she told me this. And then this happened. When did that happen? 96. What is your problem? Your Bible says that anger rests in the bosom of fools. Wisdom is saying as long as you let that anger and unforgiveness continue to live on the inside, you're being foolish. You've got to learn to let it go. Y'all quiet this morning. Y'all awful quiet this morning. What do y'all want me to tell some jokes or something? (laughs) You got to learn to let it go. Unforgiveness is eroding the lives of God's people eroding the lives of God's people. You want me to tell you why people are so depressed 90% of the time in the church? It's because they haven't learned to let it go. You want me to tell you why they deal with anxiety and heaviness and weariness and they're never happy and they can never move forward and they can never find fulfillment? It's because they are eaten up with unforgiveness and they never learn to let it go. And what they want is they want justice. They want God to rule on their behalf. And God is never going to side with you against your enemy. Guess what? He loves them too. The person you hate, God loves. Let me say it again for the people in the back. The the person that you hate, God loves. And a lot of times God will... It's one thing. It's one thing when God blesses your buddies and you can celebrate about your friends being blessed. But how do you handle it when God starts blessing people you don't even like? You saw her drive up in the new car and you saw her on Instagram with the trip to Paris for their vacation. And unbelievable, can you believe she posting pictures of herself acting all high and mighty and this and that and the other. And your, your breakthrough is, is waiting on the other side of you to let all that go. And, and forgiving somebody does not mean you forget what happened. When God forgives you, he does not forget everything you've done. God can't forget everything you've done. It would be a lapse in God's memory to forget everything you've done. Your Bible does not say God forgets. Your Bible says he remembers no more. That means when you've been wrong, it's not that you forget and pretend like it never happens. It means you make a choice. I'm never going to put this on the table of our relationship ever again. If you've ever been wronged in your life, you have the trump card in your back pocket waiting to play at every moment to win every argument because, yeah, boom, you did this. And forgiveness says, I will never do that. I will never do that. You have to learn to let it go. The stuff that people get offended at in church today is outrageous. Outrageous. Unbelievable. It's too hot. It's too cold. Music's too loud. Music's too soft. Preacher's too old. Preacher's too young. Preacher wears a tie. Preacher don't wear a tie. Preacher got tattoos? Preacher ain't got tattoos. Just pick whatever you want to be ticked off about. If you want some real legitimate reason to be ticked off, I can give you some. If you're going to be mad, at least be mad for a good cause, not something stupid. You know what I'm saying? I, when we were were about to launch the church, we were going to hand out T-shirts to everybody that came, and we did that for a minute. And then I thought, you know what? I don't know these people. And when they flip somebody off at the red light, they're going to be wearing a Hope Unlimited shirt. (laughs) Right? You got to learn to let it go. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And then your Bible says this, neither give place to the devil. Because when you allow anger to continue to brew on the inside of you, you're opening yourself up. You are giving place to the devil. When you allow anger to continue to dwell on the inside of you. And some of you are, I've met people that are angry and still holding on to stuff. That people that did them wrong, those people are dead. And they still can't let it go. And I want to tell the church of Jesus Christ, don't keep hanging on. You got to let it go. If they never apologize, you got to let it go. If they continue to do you wrong, you've got to let it go. If they never send you a long email in repentance, in sackcloth and ashes, guess what you got to do, sugarplum? You got to let it go. Don't, don't keep hanging Oh, and this is is what you normally hear when people get offended out of church. This is what you normally hear. I can't receive anymore. I'm not getting fed there. And it's not because they changed. It's because God locked you out of what you have refused to honor. Brother Al, help me, man. Somebody put Al a chair right there because God locked you out of what you refuse to honor. And it's not because they're not anointed anymore. It's because your heart's closed up to receiving what God has to say through them. And I have to tell people all the time, you get mad at this church over something dumb, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get mad at the next church and the next church and the next church and the church after that and the church after that. And you're going to be one of those martyrs who walk around talking about they could not receive from the anointing that was on my life and they did not recognize the gift that God had put down on the inside of their own church. No, no, no. You just got out angry so don't keep hanging on and some people you'll have to you'll have to you'd have to pry that offense from their cold dead hands maybe you have a reason to feel hurt and offended what you don't have a right to do is to keep hanging on to it because Jesus said, you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you. Jesus has forgiven us for stuff we never apologize for. Let's be honest, if you sit down and had to write out every one of your sins, right? I just write down all of them. <laughs> don't keep hanging on. You got to learn to let it go. Number two, number two, is this all right? Are y'all all right? Next week we'll get into the Bible we'll take some scripture apart and And do all the stuff. Number two, number one, don't keep hanging on. Number two, people of God, amen, people of God, don't play the victim. There are two kinds of people in church. People that have been mistreated and people that think they have been mistreated. And neither one of them have a right to take on a victim mindset. This is the essence of a victim mentality. Something in my life is not precisely like I want it to be. Therefore, I must find somebody to blame. Right? Take your pick. It can be that church's fault. It can be that pastor's fault. Right. It can be your spouse's fault. Here's the one Christians use a lot. It's the devil's fault. Right? Ain't got no money. You maxed out every credit card you got. The, the devil didn't go shopping at Target. You went shopping at Target. The devil is a liar. Huh? It's the government's fault. Am I right about it? It's my gender's fault. Oh, oh, now, we get, now we're getting a little over the line, Patrick Casey. Don't play the victim because when you blame everything else in your life for your life, you give away all of your power and you have no ability at that point to change it. So the only way for you to get ahead financially is for you to change churches. Or change spouses. Or change congressmen. Or change, name, just put something in the blank. And we give away our power and blame everybody else and everything else. And I want to establish deeply in the hearts and minds of a generation that you have to own it. Everything, Listen, everything you are reaping. In your life right now is the result of something you did or did not sow in a previous day in your life. If you ain't got no money, it's because you didn't sow anything into a savings account. If you, oh yeah, yeah. it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. I said it's the truth. Am I right? Ain't nobody else's fault. What we have taught a generation is this, you can sow and then we will put something in between you and the reaping to absorb all of the consequences for the decisions that you've made. And so when you sow irresponsibility, when you sow financial irresponsibility, when you sow a lack of integrity, when you sow laziness, when you sow I'm not going to go to college, I'm going to work at McDonald's, don't be mad when you don't make $20 an hour. Is this getting too funky? It's right. And our generation needs to hear it more than ever. More than ever. You only deserve what you earn. (laughs) You only deserve what you earn. Only God and your mama think you're special. To everybody else, you got to prove it. This is how we talk at our church. Okay. Next week, I'll preach on, you are the apple of his eye and you are and you are you are some people even blame god for their problems right as parents we know that there comes a time we're experiencing this with our with our 11 year old she's in that preteen phase so ooh got a phone going into middle school she knows everything if you don't believe it just ask her And we're in this process now where we're no longer trying to teach her obedience. We're trying to teach her responsibility. If this statement gets said once a day in my house, it gets said a hundred times a day. When you choose the behavior, you choose the consequence with a behavior. Now, the lesson's not been learned yet. Don't misunderstand me. When you choose the behavior... You choose the consequence of the behavior. And every parent in here, if we were to sit down and have a logical conversation about parenting, every parent in here would say it is is crippling to a child when you let them sow a behavior and then we step in and absorb the consequences. But we want God to do the same thing for us. Because he's our father. He is your father who is more interested in your maturity than your comfort. I grew up on a chicken farm. Y'all know that story, right? I grew up on a chicken farm. And I remember this. I remember this very distinctly. I was a little boy, probably eight, nine years old. And we, they were hatching chickens in an incubator. In an incubator. Y'all know what that is? Incubator. That's a good southern drawl, is it? Incubator. And I remember, I, as a little boy, I could hear the chickens, the baby chicks trying to get out of the, trying to pluck through the egg. And I remember my stepfather told me, he said, whenever you hear that, Whenever you hear them attempting to scratch their way out, don't ever open the egg for them. He said, why is that? He said, because there are muscles that are being developed right now that they will need for later. And if you open it for them, you stunt their growth and they will never be what they could have been because you gave them the easy way out. And what I want to tell the church people, God's not going to crack the egg for you that we got ourselves in. God's going to watch us crawl and pull and fight our way out because it makes us stronger. That's how he grows us. God's not interested. I don't understand. People, we, we have a generation that is consumed with this one thing. Happiness. I ask people, so what do you want to do with your life? I just want to be happy. What do you so what do you want to do? I just want to be happy. Happiness is not a destination. Happiness is the byproduct of obeying God. And God's not going to help us fight out of what he's using to grow us. God Almighty. So instead of complaining and fighting and talking about, I'm a victim, poor me, the devil, this, the church, this, the pastor, this, just say, This is the behavior I sowed. These are the consequences I'm reaping, and I'm going to learn to never do this again. You know what that's called? Wisdom. (laughs) Wisdom's not hard to find. Your Bible says she's screaming in the streets. Don't. A, back in Alabama, I had a sweet lady, sweet, precious lady come to me one time. She said, Pastor, I got to meet with you. I said, oh, right, what's going on? She said, she was an older lady, and uh, she was wanting to get married real bad. And you got to watch. When people get that itch, when people get that I got to get married itch, Pooh, it's something happens. I said, what's going on well, you know, I've been believing God for a husband for a long time. I said, yeah. I said, yeah. She goes, I found him. I said, come on. Boaz done showed up. I said, so tell me about him. So she's listing all of his attributes as though he's the third part of the Trinity. He's so funny. He is good looking. right? He's strong. He's muscular. It's like, oh, that's great. That's great. She said, Here's the thing, though. She said, He's in prison. No wonder he's muscular. And then she said, This, what are you thinking? Don't. Wisdom. He's crying in the streets. Crying in the streets. I preached a sermon like this one time in another church. And after it was over, people came up to correct everything that had been wrong with it. Okay? And they came up and they said, now, <clears throat> you're talking about all that stuff. They said, but they said, when you start talking about the finances, that's where we disagree with you. They said, because our situation is unique. That is a lie that we tell ourselves to keep from having to listen to good advice. You're unique just like everybody else. Selah. You're unique just like everybody else. You're unique, but your situation isn't. You're unique, but your situation isn't, which means wisdom Still applies to us, too. Y'all with me? I got a minute, 13 seconds left and several more points, but I'm not going to make all of them. Let's see, which one do I want to do now? Don't hang on. Don't play the victim. I'm going to skip something. I'll give you one more. This is huge, huge. If you do these three things right here, there is nothing God cannot do in your life. Don't keep hanging on. Let it go. Don't play the victim. You're not the victim. Number three, don't be defensive or what your Bible calls refusing To listen to instruction. You cannot counsel someone who is in love with their own opinion. Who's in love with their own advice. As a matter of fact, your Bible said poverty and shame come on those that refuse instruction. You can sum up all of Proverbs like this right here. This is what all of Proverbs is saying. Listen. When wisdom speaks, listen. When wisdom is saying something you don't want to hear, listen. Because if you don't, you will seek for her later on and she won't be found. Wisdom even said, she's a little sarcastic, I will laugh when your calamity comes. I will laugh. I'll tell you this one story. I was, I was an 18-year-old youth pastor at this church and I was the the, the resident, you know, evangelist preacher and there was this girl that came in I wasn't married at the time, obviously this girl came in to the service, started coming to the church there and I thought she's kind of cute she thought I was kind of cute so we started talking, we started to develop a little bit of a relationship just talking, you know just talking, so it's progressing And my pastor looked at me one day and he said, don't. And I was very offended because I thought, she good looking. I'm a preacher, but she good (laughs) looking. He said, listen to me. He said, I'm not even going to tell you why. He said, I know why I'm telling you this, but I want to see if you can trust me or if you will trust me. Don't. And everything inside of me is like, oh, God, I hate this whole submission to authority. <laughs> he said, don't do it. I said, all right. Cut it off. Everything, everything in me, everything in me wanted to do the opposite. Because you cannot exalt emotion over wisdom. Right. Because I've talked to people, I've given them the same advice, and this is what I hear in return. I understand all of the reasons why I should not, but Pastor Casey, I feel like. And people use emotion as though it's unimpeachable. As long as you follow your, let me tell you what's going to happen. You follow your feelings, you're going to follow them off a cliff. Do you hear what I'm saying? So he said, cut it off. He said, through gritted teeth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Two months later, they leave. They get offended. They leave. I find out she went to another church with another young preacher about my age. She was about 16, 15, 16 at the time. I was 18. I think she was 16. She started talking to him, and she was trying to sue him for rape. He'd never held her hand. I didn't know this. Her mother had a history of doing this in churches. I had no idea. And because I listened to wisdom, it avoided me massive pain. So I want to know, can you do that this morning? When I'm telling you to forgive people instead of you saying, yeah, but you don't understand, but you, but you, can you just hear me say, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Don't. Don't keep hanging on. Yeah, but, did you, did you, but let me let me tell you what happened. No, 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 no. I don't I don't need to know, don't want to know. All I'm telling you is don't keep hanging on. Because that stuff undealt with in the next 20 years, you're gonna be a bitter, vile, toxic human being. You might have a you might you might have been done wrong. I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, it is not worth holding on to. And do don't don't I, I I know I know we I know we exalt victims in this culture, but you can't go there. Don't be playing the victim because it'll rob your life, and one day you're gonna run out of people to blame. You can swap this spouse for another one, and in six months it'll be their fault too. Don't keep hanging on, steady feet. Don't play the victim. And people of God, we have to open our hearts to wisdom.